I, I think where I get into like the nuance and what is different about what I do is, you know, every project that I'm on starts with like an all day workshop uh, that has all of the stakeholders. And so it's the design teams, it's, you know, key stakeholders in the community or the city, it's, you know, my team, um, it's any other ownership that may be involved. And we really start to curate a um, shared vision for the project. And one thing that we drilled down to in all of the ones that I've participated in, even when I'm a consultant for people and they ask me to help them create this mm -hmm. on their projects, one thing that I like to, to kind of get it down to is if somebody were to tell their best friend about their time in this place, what would they say? Welcome to the Placemaking Podcast. Podcast. The show geared at helping real estate developers learn and understand important aspects of the development process while improving communities one at a time. Each week, we'll discuss major facets of the real estate development process with industry professionals. Now, here's your host, Matthew Lowe's. Hello and welcome to episode number 39 of the Placemaking Podcast, the first episode of season number two. I want to thank you all for joining me today. Another great episode is coming your way. I am thrilled to share this next conversation with all of you. Ashley Stiles is the CEO of Tribe Development located in Colorado. The foundation of her career was built in the design world as a landscape architect with a focus on luxury resort projects. It is here that she learned from the best about the importance of delivering positive and memorable customer experiences to stand out from the competition and drive brand loyalty. Now, for over a decade, she has been focused on exceeding customers' expectations in commercial development, what we now refer to as experiential development. So in this episode, we are going to discuss how they begin the initial design process at Drive Development, which is really unique. I think you're going to love it. Uh, we talk about the importance of branding your development, as well as common roadblocks that people face when starting out in development. There is tons of great information in this episode, and I greatly appreciated Ashley for taking the time out of her very busy schedule to discuss this topic of branding and real estate development with all of us. As always, if you have enjoyed the show, I ask that you please subscribe to the show and share with your friends in the industry. There will be more exciting conversations on the shows to come in season number two. So without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to the show, Ashley. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I am extremely honored to have you on this show. I've read so much about you. I'm excited to dive right in. Great. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. So, exactly. So yeah. I gave a little intro before the show, uh, but if you could, in your own words, just kind of give us a little bit about how you got started in real estate, kind of yeah. your genesis, and then we'll kind okay. of go from there. Sounds good. Um, this will take half of the show. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, my path is not traditional. Um, so I started, uh, originally in design school. So I was going to school for architecture. Um, I was several years into, um, architecture school and it just wasn't resonating. And I feel like, you know, now that I've had an amazing college experience, um, college should be great. It should be what you think like the ideal components are of what you're going to do. And I just was, it wasn't resonating. It wasn't clicking. And I came, um, back to Colorado to visit some friends and when I was here, I met a really respected or renowned landscape architect. And I will 
be honest, I had no idea what landscape architecture was, didn't know it was a thing. Um, and he invited me to his studio and I got to see, you know, what they were doing and what they were working on. And I was like, this is it. This is what I've been missing where architecture is amazing for so many reasons. And I love all my architect friends. Um, and you get to create this one great, amazing space in the context of an environment the landscape architecture piece gets to create the environment and mm -hmm. kind of some of the community making pieces of how, you know, we live in, in towns and cities. And so that to me was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I transferred with zero credits transferring and uh, started over in a five-year program and graduated with a landscape architecture degree and did that for many, many years. Um, and I ended up in a tract where I was doing a lot of um, really high-end uh, luxury hospitality projects. Mm -hmm. And so some of my clients were like the Four Seasons, um, private resorts, things like that. And it was awesome. I loved it. Uh, very you were getting, Yeah, it was so cool. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was really early in my career and without even knowing it subconsciously, I was picking up all of these pieces from clients like the Four Seasons who understood brand very early, like way before any of us could talk about experiential development or creating brands around projects. It's you went into a Four Seasons, you knew you were at one, not because of the signage, but how you were greeted, the information they had about you, um, you know, regarding past days and what your you know preferences were, the way it smelled. Now every hotel has a proprietary smell. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? oh, um but it was really cool. And so, uh, you know, those were some of my early, you know, clients. And then those same types of clients are what brought me over to the development world. So I like to say I was a good designer, um, but I was really good at managing clients and mm -hmm. projects. And so I actually moved up pretty quickly in, um, in studios because I knew how to make money. And I think that's just because I've been a hustler. Yeah, yeah, I just I have always hustled. I have always tried to figure out how to make money. You know, my friends and I have joked. I was like, I was a layaway kid. I was babysitting and doing things to buy like bikes and dual cassette boom boxes. You know, like, <laughs> I was about to say, what are what were yeah. some of your early early that one? Yeah, no, I bought no. I bought a ten speed bicycle and um and the dual cassette boom box so that you can like mm. do the high speed dubbing when you were making mixtapes and stuff. You know. That'll date me. People will know. I'm over 40. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, I was always trying to figure out how to make money, how to get the things that I wanted. Um, and so that just kind of came, it came through like in how I actually worked in my professional career, right. It's like, I knew how to make money. So, right. um, and so those, those clients recognized that and saw that in me and, and took me over to the development side. So uh, that's how I got there. I, I later shored up, um, you learn there's zero business classes and zero yeah. finance classes in design school. Um, and so I did get my master's and I concentrated in finance and capital markets. So I could shore that piece of one, just my base knowledge up, but that would also kind of make sense on paper. So Awesome. So yeah. you transitioned into development uh, under a more traditional development firm. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I mean, uh, very traditional in that, um, I was working for a really high net worth individual who had, um, a real estate platform within their private equity business. 
And so mm-hmm. I was on the real estate side, um, but he was well um, invested in multiple different um, business platforms. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. And how long were you there? Um, so in development, I, I went between like a couple different private equity firms, as I believe is totally normal. So people are out there changing around in private equity. I think it's great because it gets you a lot of different um, vantage points. So um, before my last role, I was probably within that realm for like five or six years. And then my last role, I was there for six years, which was, um, I was the head of commercial development for a large national um, development firm. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then I, I guess this, this question is more of kind of your first foray into development. What made you take that leap? Was it just that that drive and they saw that in you and you figured out, Hey, maybe this is really what I wanted to do or. um... Yeah. Uh, So, okay. Well, I guess there's multiple parts. One, it was 2009. um, And so a lot of my, you know, I mean, I had laid off some friends. Right. Um, And so, I mean, the, the industry was really kind of trying to reimagine what it was going to look like and service-based industries, especially in the design side were some of the hardest hit, which I think we can all remember. Um, And so it was seeing that, but then also just really that acknowledgement, like I understand business. Um, I hate calling it my network because I really am just like invested in like my friendships. And I love, I love being a connector. I love meeting people. Um, I get a lot of joy and value out of it. And so I always hate saying like, maintain your network, but do maintain your network because it's how I have gotten every job. Um, And so it was, it was the belief of the other side, right. That I, I could do something that I was smart enough to figure out what I didn't know. So it was definitely them taking um, a risk on me and me just, I have never, I've never been scared um, to like, be like, Oh, I'll figure it out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I've always just been willing to, to try new stuff and I actually find it really interesting. Um, and yeah, I can't imagine if I would have just like stayed on one track. That's just not my personality. I love it. Right. I love different things and new things. So, um, I think it was part the, the time and where we were from a market cycle standpoint that made me move over. Um, and then to be even more direct about it there, you can make way more money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so there was the financial advantage to, to making a leap in for trying something new. Sure. No, those are all great points. And that that makes tons of sense. So, you know, when you started out in this new venture, was there anything that, well, I guess, looking back, what are some of the key, key ideas that you, you know, wish you would have known right when you took that leap or, or starting out? Is there... Yeah, like real, like way starting out. Oh my yeah, gosh. yeah, okay. in development. Yeah, um, yeah. I know this is going to sound like so cliche, like oh, I wouldn't have changed anything. Um, but really, I wouldn't have. Um, I think you know, personal and professional growth happens when you struggle mm-hmm. and when things are not easy, and by making mistakes. And so, to be where I am right now, I wouldn't give any of that up um, because. I'm, I mean, I've, I've benefited so much from, from the path and the experience that I've had. And had I changed any part of it, I don't know what that would have looked like. And I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing right now, um, which is an amazing feeling. And had I done something, to, I, I don't think I would have been ready in the same way that I am now for, for taking on my own development company. Um, and so for those reasons, I wouldn't change anything. I also know my personality. And if 
me now I'm told younger me, like it's going to be really hard. I would have believed me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wish that there was times where I would have understood that what I was going through was normal. Mm. Um, how hard it was, was to be expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that you just, it feels more normalized, but again, like, you know, that growth doesn't happen when we're comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And let's segue that into where you're at now with yeah. uh, tribe. So yeah. what did that look like when you decided, Hey, I think I'm good enough to do this on my own. What did, what did yeah. that, that moment look like? Um, so, so tribe is um, like a culmination of many things, right? So I have all this amazing experience, got to work with tons of really great people. Um, but there wasn't a way of me being able to be um, like a hundred percent me in um, like traditional development offices, right? I come from this design place. I come from a really unique perspective. My company is named Tribe because I am Chickasaw. I'm a very proud member of my Chickasaw nation. And so I think those experiences and those um, pieces that make me uniquely me um, weren't always something that I could have or um, bring into projects or express in the ways that I wanted to. Right. And so that's really what made me want to come out and, and start Tribe was you know, I wanted to come at development from uh, more of a designer place and more of like a brand creation mindset, um, still while being very mindful and responsible of a pro forma and investors, but mm-hmm. starting in a different place, uh, which I couldn't do if I if I would have stayed. Um, but I will tell you that leaving was really scary, um, like very scary. It took me a year to really work up the courage and the guts to go. Um, and honestly, I, I created a plan that was going to make both myself and my husband comfortable with me going out on my own. And what did that mean for both of us? And then I worked that plan for a year, right? So the day I quit, uh, I wore my quitting outfit. And, um, what? <laughs> Wait, yeah, what you gotta, is that? You got to wear an outfit when you quit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got to be like, okay. you got to be ready. You got to feel really good. You yeah. Show up as your best self. And, you know, for me, I love clothes. I love, I love fashion. I love design, all of it. (laughs) And, um, and so I had to show up in my quitting outfit, right? You can't back out. Um, but, uh, you know, and on the way, you know, to do that, uh, I called my husband and I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. And he's like, no, you're in your outfit. (laughs) You're doing this. (laughs) That's right. Um, but you know, but I worked the plan. And so I think that that's one thing is, you know, feel like, you know, create a plan, know when you're going to be comfortable. There is absolutely not a perfect time to go out on your own, um, much like there's not a perfect time for anything. Um, but once I left, the things that came to me, um, it was just, I mean, it was unbelievable how much support there was. And then the opportunities that came my way that I wouldn't have known about, right? I mean, there was no way of projecting them while I was still an employee of somebody's. Right. So, yeah. Awesome. So you had kind of a succession plan for yourself. Yeah. Uh, so getting, getting into tribe more, it sounds like you've kind of diversified yourself from some of the other firms by bringing in these other, other aspects. Can we touch on those? You said yeah. one, you wanted to be design focused, which mm-hmm. is not entirely common. And then also that you wanted to show that branding was, was important for you know, developments from the start, you know, it's, it's, that's interesting. So 
I assume that came from your background in landscape architecture, but was there any other, you know, it sounded like when you were working at the Four Seasons and, and stuff like that, all that kind of came together and formed this idea to create just a completely different uh, firm. And then how is that, mm-hmm. how is that uh, kind of helped you out going forward? Yeah. I do believe it's really important. It's it's where I start, right? So, and I synonymously use vision and brand together. Um, so I, I think where I get into like the nuance and what is different about what I do is, you know, every project that I'm on starts with like an all day workshop uh, that has all of the stakeholders. And so it's the design teams, it's, you know, key stakeholders in the community or the city, it's, you know, my team. Um, it's any other ownership that may be involved. And we really start to curate a um, shared vision for the project. And one thing that we drill down to in all of the ones that I've participated in, even when I'm a consultant for people and they ask me to help them create this mm-hmm. on their projects, one thing that I like to, to kind of get it down to is if somebody were to tell their best friend about their time in this place, what would they say? So what do we like, what do we want them to say? So we can start to understand like, what's our aspirational language we want to use for this project. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and this isn't just about like really fancy mixed use projects, right? I I love industrial projects. Mm -hmm. And so is the industrial like outcome that there is no other place that I could be this efficient with my business, right? So it's, it's something, it is something that is meaningful to who your user is going to be or who the people are going to be that visit this place. And so we start, you know, we drill down throughout the day of, of generating that, you know, sentiment. Um, and then we really start to create, and this sounds weird, um, but a persona or a personality as if our project was a person. And okay. so what is the tone of voice that we speak in as this project? Um, you know, what are some of our key attributes? And what that does when, especially when you're all together is it starts to create a roadmap of what are the really critical decisions. And so as we apply a performa, we're going to know what are the sacred components that we can't touch because that's how our user identifies. And what are the things in which we can modify without having a significant impact? Because again, I mean, every development project can't just live in the clouds. I want all of my stuff to be built. And um, so what are, you know, what are those elements that we really need to strive for? And it makes decision-making so much easier and it makes performance management so much easier because you know, you can't get rid of X. And so you better go figure out how to be efficient somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I think, you know, that's, it's a big, um, you know, unique proposition of my company um, that that's how we, we work through projects and we think about projects and yeah, it's, it's been able to be really successful. And like I said, a lot of my quote unquote competitors, you know, hire me to come in and help them establish that. So. Wow. So you come in, you decide basically a vision for. Who are you? Who are you project? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's basically your, your sentiment. How, how would you describe this proper or well, an outsider describe it. And then you create an avatar essentially around around this vision and then Mm -hmm. that's interesting and and how long does this process typically take for y'all well that's one day okay okay (laughs) it's one day um and we get down to those i would say you know i've got strategic partnerships with branding firms that i really trust um who understand my process and have done this with me a lot um and quite honestly like mirrors how they think about creation of brands 
Um, and uh, so start to finish, we usually uh, will have, you know, a brand completed uh, within three months of starting. And the reason why it needs to be quick and it needs to be out front is because it will be the guiding uh, pieces for the architecture teams, right? Mm -hmm. And it'll start to integrate into interiors. And so, you know, you build a brand, it's more than a logo. It's color palettes, it's narrative, it's how you speak to a potential user. Um, you know, we use a lot of um, uh, kind of like this, not that. So like in a project um, that I did, it was, we're historic, but not stuffy. <laughs> um, you know, we're, um, we're elegant, but not pretentious. Okay. And so there's ways that you can kind of like start to do that. So, you know, like, well, does, you know, does the brand start to really reflect those pieces? Cause we know that this is our user group. Um, and, and then the design team gets to start making decisions based on those elements as well. And most architecture teams, I mean, all of the ones I've worked with love this, have oh, yeah. really embraced it. And because it's so much about their philosophy. And again, I come from their world. So I know like this is meaningful work that we do in the beginning uh, that allows us to create place, you know, like, and not just space in which people occupy. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like the architect, they, they always want to, to have a peek into the brain of the owner, the developer. And this is your way of showing them you know, your vision uh, without giving them the roadmap. I mean, you're kind of giving yeah. them a, an idea, a, a notion, and then uh, they build around that. And I'm sure that right. that helps. And they're, they're, yeah, they're part of creating that vision. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, one of uh, somebody had asked me another developer, they're like, well, why would, you know, well, can't you just have your architect like create it? And I said, well, if you don't know what to ask for, how do they know what to create? Right. And so this is a way of figuring out what are we asking for? Um, mm -hmm. So, cause they'll, they'll keep drawing you things. I know. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, until you say we got it right. Um, but they don't know if you can't verbalize or you can't tell them exactly what it is. And to be honest, so many times you don't even know who you're serving in the market. Like you don't know why you're delivering the product other than your, your company wants to do an office building, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's really beneficial work. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, so during that three-month process, is it an iterative process? Is it back oh, yeah. and forth or is it, okay. I didn't yeah. know if it was kind of a linear after that that month or that day. Yeah, no, I am, I'm a big believer in like, I never want to reveal. Okay, so, um, because if you show it to me and I'm not happy, you're going to be disappointed. Um, and quite honestly, vice versa, if I come up with this amazing idea and I like do this big reveal for you and it's like a lackluster response. Yeah. Um, you know, I, nobody needs that. Right. So like make it iterative, take feedback along the way. Um, it's, you know, that's, that's why it's so inclusive in that day. And all of those people are still involved, um, throughout all of those iterations and the creation and outcome of, of the final brand product. So mm -hmm. is the architect ever involved in that process or they Always. just brought it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're really crucial. I'm getting ready to do a kickoff of a new project next Friday. And there's a million emails going back and forth between myself and uh, the firm that I use for um, some of my branding work and the architecture team, like figuring out like, what, well, what's the content that we want to use that day, knowing that all of us have to participate in the, in the project, right? And in the right. day, um, but it's that facilitation of making sure everybody feels um, included and that there's voice, you know, everyone's voice in that room is, is heard that day. 
Gotcha. So I assume before that day, they kind of give the client kind of gives you an idea of maybe what they're going for. So you're prepared or is it just uh, (laughs) sometimes, sometimes, um, sometimes not, Um, you know, we usually have, you know, if I'm consulting for a client, it's not one of my projects. um, You know, it's, I will do a lot of kind of like investigating beforehand. So what space do they typically occupy within the development world? Who are some of the competitors that they normally have? Or if we know it's a particular product type, we'll do research around um, their competitive set in that same asset class in the same area. Um, So that we're coming in with some information so that we can really start to understand like, how do we set you apart? How are you gonna um, really differentiate amongst this competitive set? And so we can start to arm them with some of that data. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of it is really discovery. It's lots of questions, lots of really fun um, workshop kind of exercises that make you be like, wait, aren't we talking about real estate? Why am I talking about like, what car would I drive? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if, if this project could be a car, what car is it? And so, yeah. you know, we ask a lot of those things, which are like fun and kind of quirky, um, but it's to make us stop thinking like developers. Um, and think about it in a completely different context so that the outcome will be greater than what you typically get. Right. Looking at it from more of the end user's point of view and and seeing how it, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I think you've touched on this maybe briefly, but why do you think branding is so important for your developments? Hmm. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I think branding, first and foremost, you have to know like who is your audience? right? And who are you serving? But it really tells you like who you are in the market. And every time I kind of get to like an end place where I think we're getting really close to like having an established brand for a project, I think there's three pillars that I always look for. So it needs to be reflective. So the community around it says, well, I'm already a part of this. Like this is me, right? So it needs to have that reflective quality. It needs to be inspirational. It can be inspirational in many ways like um, through art or, you know, some type of like public engagement and, you know, whimsical moments and surprise moments, you have to have that inspiration kind of in there to, to keep people excited. And, and again, that can take many different forms in terms of inspiration. And then it has to be aspirational. So while you feel like you're already reflected in it, you know, it is, you know, there's an aspirational quality to, I want to be a greater part of this community or somebody maybe that you're recruiting to be one of your tenants who isn't a part of the community. It's like, this is amazing. What they're doing is really incredible. I want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And so as I evaluate the brand and the project, to be fair, um, again, because I use all of them, like as a cohesive whole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Is that happening? Like, are we reflecting who we're serving Um, you know, are we, you know, are there inspirational moments within the project and, and do we feel like this is enough to attract somebody to want to be part of it? Okay. Um, I will say the biggest mistake that all developers make myself included, um, which I have changed a lot, um, of how I approach it when you go into communities, because all the easy dirt is gone. It doesn't really matter where any of us are. Mm -hmm. A lot of this is, is you know, densification, gentrification, whatever you want to call it. Um, I highly recommend approaching them like anchor institutions approach development and anchor institutions. What they do is they do a lot of listening and finding out what services need to be provided to the community. And that does not mean that you have to do it at less profit. It doesn't mean um, that you have to like give anything away 
as a developer, but by understanding what the key needs are of the community that you are surrounded by, mm-hmm. you will be far more accepted. What we typically do is show up to public meetings with really pretty drawings and say, aren't you excited for what we're going to build? It's, it's so amazing, ready. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and we wonder why everyone's just like, you know, there's like pitchforks out and we don't understand why they don't love our vision too. But it's because we haven't taken time to really understand and hear what is important to them. And it usually is not all that difficult to incorporate um, or find, and every developer would love governmental entities in which will help you um, find some of those services and providers to be part of your project. Hmm. Now that's a good point. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do with being, you know, a part of the community to begin with, uh, you know, being active in the community. I, I'm kind of curious about the aspirational piece that you mentioned. Can you provide some examples on how you've done that in, in previous projects, how you've built that piece of yeah. that pillar? Yeah, I think, um, so a couple of different scenarios. So um, in a past project I worked on, it was a mixed use project. Um, it was uh, it was a really great mixed use project. Um, a lot of the, so there was a hotel um, office, there was ground floor retail, um, there was, it was an entire block um, and, and then really um, curated retail that's surrounded in the rest of the block. And when I say aspirational, um, even the office users, you know, there were a couple uh, corporate users who left their headquarters to come to be part of the project because they understood that the actual development itself was an amenity to their employees. Mm. And so I think, you know, when you when you look at it from an aspirational sense, it's are we creating something to that point that somebody would leave their existing location that isn't really all that far away <laughs> to right. come to be here because what we're creating is so great. Um, so I think that that's one way that you can look at aspirational. Um, the other side of aspirational, so like, like actual tenants and wanting to be involved and wanting to locate within your project, right? That's that's one side of aspirational. I think the other um, piece is from a recruitment standpoint of those employees that work there and want to work for whether it's retail or the office users or the hotel, is that it's a really cool place to actually work and you're proud of that environment. Mm-hmm. Um and third, you've got community members who are supportive of and want to, to keep returning and being part of what you're creating. And, and so I think that there's a, there's a bunch of different ways you can think about the aspirational component. Um, so for this, there was like a lot of integrated art, but we held sections um, for annual um, like graffiti walls to be done. And it, everybody wanted those spots. So... <laughs> You knew awesome. that you're, you know, yeah, if, if you have that kind of, you know, we provide the space and this is, you know, gets changed out every two years and everyone wanted their piece there because it got a lot of eyeballs and it was just cool. It was a cool yeah. space. Yeah. It's unique. Yeah, definitely. Yes. So kind of coming back a little bit to, to your start in real estate development uh, and thinking back, what do you think is one of the most common roadblocks for people to actually take that step? Is it, is it the uncertainty or? It's a, I think there's, there's a lot. I mean, there are high barriers to entry when it comes to real estate. I did not come from a wealthy family. Um, I clearly did not take a traditional real estate path. Um, And so I think that there's a lot of roadblocks just because, you know, one of the best sayings ever is that you can't be what you can't see, which is why Mm -hmm. it's so important for me to always like, you know, 
I respond to everybody or I try to respond to everybody that sends me LinkedIn messages wanting to meet or chat um, and talk to me about my path and about my journey because I, do, I don't look like what the regular path is. And so um, I think, you know, just believing that if if you feel that you have a unique opportunity within the development world to, to provide something, then I think you chase it. Mm-hmm. And each of us are very unique, right? Our experiences are our own. Um, there's nobody like the two of us sitting in, in a room, right? So it's, right. you have to believe in your ability to provide something and then really just be steadfast in, you know, well, be approachable, take critique, right? Right. <laughs> Do all of those things. Um, but, but don't lose your own voice in that, you know, know why you started and what you thought you wanted to offer, let it evolve. Um, but, you know, it's, I think one of the biggest roadblocks is just, you don't, you don't see a lot of diversity within development. That is very true. Yeah, that is very true. So definitely have a chance to diversify, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's probably what's helped make you so successful is that you realize your own brand and you've been able to use that to, you know, to your benefit from a business standpoint. Yeah. But I'll say, I mean, the biggest mistake that I made in my career was not listening to that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and trying to fit into like this different mold of what somebody, you know, like private equity look like or what development look like and not being true to that unique the uniqueness of me. Um, and, and so it took a while for me to kind of like deprogram mm-hmm. and think like, no, this is, this is why I'm doing this. I know that I have value to offer and, and believing in that. And so I think you have to listen to the critique, but be mindful of who you're really like accepting, like what you're accepting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Did you, even after you had started your own firm, did you feel like you were you needed to still fit that mold of private equity or? Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> no. You had your um, quitting clothes on, you were I did. done. <laughs> yeah. And then it was my new job clothes. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> no. Um, you know, it's funny because I'll say that to people and they'll be like, Ashley, you have always just been you. And so I, I know you can only change yourself so much. And which is, you know, why you'll end up meeting this place where you either like go to a different organization in which you feel that you get to express more of that or you start your own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I, I guarantee you, if, if you don't feel like you're fitting, they don't feel like you're fitting. It's it's reciprocal. It's not one way. Um, <laughs> it's it just is what it is. But, you know, friends will be like, you, you've always just been you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that I think you have to be mindful of um you know there's times in my career i think one of the good tests uh you know to kind of see if it's true like if there's truth behind some of the things that you're hearing is like have you heard them before have you know did you hear it in another job setting did you hear it in a personal situation um but i feel like for me anyway i didn't really hear the same thing right like it always kind of felt different until i was ready to hear it (laughs) Um, and to do something about it. And I think that that's right. true with everybody. I think you receive the information when you are at a place in which you're um, capable and ready to do work on yourself to improve areas. Um, but again, just, you know, senior management owners does not make them right. Um, so be critical of your of the critique that you get. And that's especially for any of the women that may be watching and listening to this. I think that, you know, um, it's a little different. So just you know, be mindful of what you accept. Right. And, 
you know, I always say that, uh, you know, management isn't just top down. It's like management happens in every direction. So you'll be managing up, you'll be managing to your peers. Um, so, you know, just be critical of where the information comes from. That's, that's great. That's awesome. So looking forward now, what, what do you see your legacy and tribe development's legacy going forward? Say I was to, you know, look you up on Wikipedia and a hundred plus years with, yeah. you know, with advances in science, you you know, make yeah, it I'm still, I'm still doing my own entry. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What, what would we find? What, what would they say is, is your legacy? Yeah. Well, the hope, right, is that I've created projects that people love and, and ultimately the other developers benchmark. Um, so I think that's always a goal for me is, you know, I want my projects to be ones that others want to replicate and to get good ideas from. I do it to other people. I hope they do it to me. <laughs> um, and, you know, but ultimately, you know, just building on what we were just talking about is, you know, I want to be not a great female leader. I just want to be a great leader. I want to help inspire other people. I want people to see that there's different paths um, for getting, whether it's like development or something else, but like expressing their own unique um, perspective through what they do. And, you know, I want to do it just unapologetically as a strong woman in the industry. That's a lot. That's a heck of a (laughs) Wikipedia entry. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should no probably pressure. type it now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Never put pressure on myself. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate all your time here. I wanted to give you a few minutes, a couple minutes, just to give uh, the listeners uh, a chance to figure out where to find out more about you. And, and um, obviously I'll include some links, but uh, give us a couple of spots that that yeah. you're most active? Yeah, as I said, I, I do try to respond. So if, if there's anything that resonated with somebody or they want to learn more, um, you know, I, I try to be really responsive um, to folks. So best outlets for me, obviously you can find me at tribedevco.com. Um, and then same on Instagram. I am over 40. I can only manage Instagram. That's that's it. That's what I got. And yeah. so it's at, tri- at tribedevco. Pretty active on social on Instagram. I really just love it. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and then LinkedIn is just Ashley styles. Perfect. Perfect. And thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. I appreciate all your time and all that background you brought on, on design and branding and developments. I think, I think it's unique and I really appreciated the viewpoints. Thank you. 